0: Thank you for tuning in to Sparks and Honey's Daily Culture Briefing. My name is Debbie Velazquez, and today we'll be looking at Culture in the Vertical using Q, our AI-powered cultural intelligence platform. Sorry, I'm joined today by my lovely co-briefer, Carrera Koenig, and our in-house travel experts, Hannah Jerome, Matt Adams, and remotely we have our CSO Camilla LaCruz joining. So thank you all. So excited about this conversation. Today's conversation will center on the future of travel as it pertains to a changing value system that is happening right before our eyes and culture. So when narrowing down today's conversation in um, Q, our our platform, we we doled out around 45,000 relevant signals. And what I did was narrow it down from the last uh, uh, COVID variant that we had as travel is picking up So this can inform in real time what is happening in travels as it pertains to values going forward. Um, We also have a new set of elements of culture that you'll start seeing over the next uh, set of briefings. So today we see Unperfect is our top EOC, um, as we call it here in-house. And this is basically showing how influencers are redefining standards and ideals across various categories. So, I anticipate this might be a driver for today's conversation and what will impact. Um, second, we see near nostalgia, which is a revamp on an EOC that we had that speaks more to what's happening today and currently. Um, this reveals a consumer desire for lo fi and retro inspired user experiences that let people essentially, I would say, microdose eras. So, Carrera, is there anything else here that you think will be relevant to today? Today's conversation. Totally. I'm interested in super apps. I think more and more we're
1: seeing kind of like the everythingification of experiences that you can go to an app and you can book your hotel and your ride from the airport there and then your train that you need to take later, even have a concierge tea waiting for you in your room when you have. Like, I think that the world's going that way. So I love this new EOC. I think that it'll apply to a lot of different conversations. And yeah. then we've got maximalism right under it right. after like two years, how long has it been now, of like not being able to go anywhere? I think people are really hitting this springtime and this summer with like, where am I going to go? Like, I'm going to do that
0: bucket list trip. Right. So we also want to sort of put out a guiding question here. This is also for anyone who's watching, tuning in, as well as the audience. We want it to be a room for engagement. Um, So this question is, how are emerging consumer values impacting travel choices? And what can public and private organizations do to adapt? So let's keep that in mind, and hopefully we come to a pointed conclusion um, when it's all said and done. So jumping into our first signal here, uh, this speaks about digital nomads, and this is a term or a phrase that keeps popping up. Um, According to an MBO survey in our first signal from time, the number of American employees who call themselves digital nomads rose from 7.3 million to 15.5 million from 2019 to 2021. This inflicts... CERTAINLY HAS CHANGED THE WAY WE TRAVEL WITH THE AVERAGE AIRBNB STAYS BECOMING LONGER AS WELL AS COUNTRIES ROLLING OUT DIGITAL NOMAD VISA'S. Um, WHAT THIS SIGNAL MIGHT SPEAK TO IN TERMS OF INTERGENERATIONAL TRENDS IS THE IMPACT OF CONNECTION SPECIFICALLY FOR GEN Z EMPLOYERS AND CONSUMERS. AFTER ALL, THEY FELT LIKE THE MOST, uh, THEY HAVE FELT THE MOST LONELY AND ISOLATED THAN ANY OTHER GROUP DURING LOCKDOWN. THAT BEING SAID, WHAT THE DIGITAL NOMAD LIFESTYLE MIGHT SOLVE FOR MUST BE BALANCED OUT WITH THESE PRACTICES, ACCORDING TO THE SIGNAL. HAVING AN ANCHOR CITY OF LOVED ONES, WHICH I'M CALLING THE NEW HOMETOWN, Mm -hmm. SEEKING PORTABLE COMMUNITIES, um, SO LIKE Alcoholics ANONYMOUS, FOR EXAMPLE, WHICH ALLOWS PEOPLE TO DROP IN, DROP OUT WITHOUT THE COMMITMENT OF HAVING A a SCHEDULE OR LOCATION um, THAT'S SET. AND THEN LOGGING OFF, SO INTENTIONALLY ISOLATING FROM PEOPLE TO FIND OUT to find grounding in your own sense of purpose and belonging. Ultimately, being a digital nomad provides a great service to those who are seeking community through proximity, but still driven by work and independent to do list items. So Hannah, I'm going to ask you this question. There's a lot of attention here about Gen Z um, burnout. uh, But I wonder and what I was thinking as I was reading the signal is You know, what other groups can be positively impacted by being digital nomads? I'm thinking of widows, you know, or childless uh, people or uh, senior citizens, right, retirees. Uh, What's your take on that?
2: One, I love those three trends that you mentioned, the anchoring, the portability, the belonging. Those all speak to me, and I think, in general, they speak to so many different generations. But what we can do is we can learn a lot from Gen Z, from The Signal, and I think that Um, My learning is community has changed from something that is very exclusive, something that is very kind of um, 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 physical-based. And so I think, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about community and and all these different groups that you were speaking about at the end, is that community can be this thing that... there's more flexibility around there's more inclusion around so you can find it online and you can find it on all these different new platforms and Gen Z has really kind of showed us that and led the way. Yeah speaking of Gen Z Matt our resident Gen Z -er expert here Um, do
0: you think that nomadic living increases or encourages productivity?
3: Yeah to be honest I don't think nomadic Living is the key to productivity. I think there's a hidden value within that, which is freedom and community. Yeah. Uh, so many of us know that before the pandemic started, 40 hours of our life was within the office, around people that we not necessarily, you know, who we don't necessarily want to be around, right? You have so many, <laughs> yeah. you know, like mi- like microaggressions right. and that type of stuff that happen within organizations. So now, the next generation of the workforce is like, if I'm going to be there, it needs to be for a reason. And that's what employers need to start thinking about or Mm -hmm. brands in general, is like, how do we interact? How do we create a a space that people want to come into um, and have community with, so.
0: We sort of touched on community in the workplace yesterday and how Mm -hmm. um, employers, some employers are, you know, rethinking what a happy hour looks like. Um, For those, for people who just choose not to partake in alcohol and that being the center of community building, you know, what going forward, what does that look like? And then with this digital nomad workforce, you know, what does virtual community what will that start looking like? So another um, interesting term that we surfaced here is voluntourism. So mm-hmm. if you want to take that away. Totally, yeah. When we talk about travel values, one that's gained a lot of steam over the past couple of years, or even
1: before the pandemic, was this need to like travel with a purpose. And while you go, you want to maybe travel in an eco-friendly way or an ethical way. Um, so one kind of article that we were looking at was this idea of voluntourism, And this is the desire to engage in volunteering efforts while you're traveling. And maybe we have, maybe this has been around for a while, we see people kind of go Going to different countries building schools or, or going and saving turtles while they travel um, and there are countless companies that promise to make it easy for travelers to pair volunteering with travel um, but some critics of volunteerism are questionings are questioning companies that kind of take this huge fee and they don't really they're not very transparent about where that money goes there's also like this questioning of if the volunteer work is truly helping in that area and then also there's of course this kind of white savior mindset that Pops up, um, and yeah. that, that's like an unfortunate subconscious thing with some tourists. Um, but the article talks to um, Zena Bekish, uh, who is the managing director of Intrepid Travel, which is the industry's first B Corp certified tour operator, which is quite an interesting concept. And she believes that problems often arise when volunteering is like very closely tied to tourism. Mm-hmm. So for her, for that reason, her company partners um, with with um, volunteering efforts that are kind of an offshoot so they have a nonprofit that isn't directly connected to their business mm-hmm. and in that way they're able to find kind of like a balance but yeah. i've got a question for camillo uh, so often we see this promise of like genuine connection and personal transformation when it comes to travel and a lot of that is a huge value for travelers mm-hmm. um, do you think that there is an ethical format for travel companies to deliver on this consumer travel value
4: that's yeah, a great question. Thank you, Carrera. Um, look, I mean, the, in terms of format, uh, I think there's a couple of tensions that we should uh, take into consideration when we think when we think about you know what could emerge as a format. Because I don't think there's necessarily one right now that we could point at, and one is, you know, one that you mentioned, which is on one on one hand, the pandemic. Was a catalyst for more people wanted to volunteer, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a lot, a lot of traction when it comes to volunteering opportunities. On the other hand, you know, you have, the, the idea of you know rich countries sending you know people to poor countries uh, to volunteer can be problematic. Right, I mean, because there's a lot of new ones, and 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 um, and and you know, there's a commercial interest, you know, in the tourism part of volunteerism, right? That um, that that can create issues, right? So that's that's one tension that I think an ethical format uh, needs to, to to address. The other one, uh, which could could be really interesting to explore as well, is the fact that uh, you know, also driven by the pandemic, uh, there's a lot more. Uh, again, desire to volunteer, and there's not necessarily the need to travel mm-hmm. to volunteer in remote places. Uh, the pandemic saw the, you know, the, the birth, I, w- I would say, of uh, of or the acceleration of formats. Where volunteers don't really need to leave their homes to be somewhere remote in the world, supporting a community. And that's a really interesting idea to explore, right, because it changes our, our perception of what, you know, our, our concept of what travel could be. You could look at a, at a really great example of uh, in in the virtual builds that were organized, I think last year or, or, or also in 2020, around uh, Habitat for Humanity, um, uh, and you know, th- there's there's definitely you know an example in there where you know a group of students sort of organized themselves and created this 10-week program. Uh, they were connected with, uh, I believe it was a, a specific uh, a group in Vietnam. Uh, uh, and they, they provided a lot of services on a volunteer basis, right? Uh, that was very meaningful and substantial for a pretty decent period of time, right? So, again, I mean, not necessarily a format that that you could templatize for everything, mm-hmm. but perhaps an interesting uh, 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 also way to resolve that tension.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, I like this idea that you're kind of bringing up of like volunteer or travel. You don't need to mix them, and you can volunteer from home. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of makes me think of, like, this over-tourism concept that keeps getting brought up. I'm curious to uh, know what you guys Mm -hmm. think, over-tourism being, like, the destruction of cultural sites and natural sites just from the sheer amount of people that go to visit, like, Venice or, like, Dubrovnik Mm -hmm. or uh, Machu Picchu each year. So what do you guys think should, like, happen there? Should we be putting limits on how many people can visit these sites? And then when we put limits on, does that mean, like, only people who can, like, pay can go? Anyone have thoughts on that?
0: I think uh, off the top of my head, I know that Google flights, for example, recently implemented CO2 emissions. Mm. I don't think it's doing a good job yet of informing us why that's important, you know, to the general public. Um, we have to do some digging to understand why it's important. But I, I do foresee these historical landmarks that have so much uh, tra- foot traffic Maybe being tied to, especially if we book um, something that, you know, in advance that's connected to uh, a travel site or something, there's sort of this carbon footprint that we're conscious of as we're traveling new places. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can know, we can just be mindful, you know, for everything that we're doing in that place of how we can be as sustainable and and, uh, friendly to that environment as possible.
3: Yeah, And to add to that too, like, speaking to mindfulness, like it's about our intention with traveling, because mm. for me, growing up, I did a bunch of you know, missions trips to other spaces. And it's just like, you know, did I yeah. really provide value when a church is paying thousands of dollars and we could have just given that to the community and they could have used that in a more substantial way than having a middle schooler build something, right? <laughs> so for me, it's just like, when we look at tourism and going to other people's places, we're actually interacting with their cultural artifacts. It's, yeah. not, it's not a zoo, mm-hmm. so we have to be more intentional with how we engage in other people's spaces, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be up to businesses, it's gonna be up to other cities as well to, be, to have more boundaries around yeah. how people interact with what they own
1: right. as well. Mm-hmm. So. And that cultural consciousness, I think, is a great like, travel value. Going back to mm-hmm. our yeah.
3: question,
1: yeah. <laughs> Debra, what, what's our next signal about?
0: Yeah, so this next signal um, is about vacationers and how they sort of on this topic how they want to feel good about the places they're visiting. Um, so while bargain booking was a big former driver driver for travel, many people are now thinking of how they're bringing value to the local economies of the places they visit. Um, In a 2021 Kind Traveler survey of 1,014 travelers, 96% said it's important that, quote, my travel dollars are making a positive impact in the places I visit. 48% said, quote, my greatest challenge in traveling uh, sustainably is choosing accommodations that are sustainable and socially conscious. Mm. And 37% said, quote, my greatest challenge in traveling sustainably is reducing or eliminating my carbon footprint. So there's this new emerging trend around what uh, this signal is calling impact tourism as a motivator for responsible travel. Even some hotels are positioning themselves as regenerative powerhouses in their host communities and global travelers are asking for more transparency around the charitable and sustainable efforts of services they book booked through ma- major establishments. Um, kind Traveler CEO Jessica Vlader, who is also board chair for the Center of Responsible Travel, says, quote, by creating and offering more kind choices, it's possible to create tourism opportunities that drive positive impact and trip satisfaction. So this signal mentions education and positive change um, as you know, interlinked opportunities for a better pathway forward. Hannah, I'm interested in your, uh, you know, your take on this. How can impact
2: tourism motivate responsible travel? Mm -hmm. So based on that last conversation, I feel like what I've got it is, Impact travel is directly related to removing some form of a third party. Mm-hmm. So if I think of locals um, and, you know, supporting local initiatives, yeah. I'm thinking of locals as storytellers, people who, you know, want to, want to connect with, with travelers. So to me, it's connecting those storytellers with the right audience of people who want to listen and who want to collaborate, mm-hmm. um, and that oftentimes, re- I think, requires removing a third barrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that uh, this is also ringing me,
0: it's, it's reminding me of this Netflix trash reality show that um, I actually, it's a guilty pleasure, I just finished called Byron Bay's. Mm-hmm. And if anyone uh, d- d- does any sort of Google search on Byron Bay, it's this coast town in uh, New Zealand, I believe, that is really, the locals are so upset because they feel like it's getting exploited by people who want to go take Instagrammable pictures. Mm-hmm and they're not really appreciating the local um, economies. You know, they're sort of exploiting these natural resources, which we've heard that about that before time and time again. But that brings us to our next signal here, I think. Speaking
1: of Instagram, really yeah, perfect segue, <laughs> perfect. Uh, for a while now, we've seen Instagram's outsized influence on the travel economy. You know, we kind of travel places because they're desirable for photos or restaurants that kind of look good with the food that's photographable. Um, this signal kind of points to the travel value of shareability and Instagrammability um, being crucial to the travel experience for a lot of consumers. Um, and here, particularly, we have these gorgeous pastel boats that take you from, uh, I believe it's Palm Beach to Jupiter, Florida. Wow. Uh, and you get a little picnic. The background scenery, of course, is the Florida coastline. Very Instagramable holiday plan. Um, but for me, it kind of connects back to this Marshall McLuhan quote, and it goes, we shape our tools, and thereafter, our tools shape us. So we create Instagram, and it's this place to share travel photos and food photos and restaurants and family members. And then it co- becomes to be that, like, what we, where we go is kind of based off of if it is photographable. So maybe mm-hmm. we'll go t- on that beach vacation over the city vacation because, you know, that's more photographable. It, like, we are programming our tools. Our tools are programming us in this very interesting interplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt, I've got a question for you. Like, how do you think Instagram um, and our culture of like highly aestheticized images has changed travel? Um, and how do you think travel hotel brands can activate on these like strategies of photographable moments? Or like, how does TikTok change it? You know, we're kind of yeah. shifting over to TikTok yeah. more and more. And is that a different photographable moment than Instagram is? What, what are your thoughts yeah. here?
3: So the first one, right? How has it impacted travel? Yeah. And this is fascinating because at the same cuz we need travel and we need leisure as a way to recoup ourselves from the work that we participate in. Yeah. So it's when it comes to Instagram, a lot of people are actually traveling for the sake of the aesthetic mm-hmm. and not for the sake of the healing mm-hmm. that comes from traveling. So it's going we have to ask ourselves why are we traveling? Can we be more intentional again with the spaces that we're going into for brands and when it comes to Instagrammable destinations, yeah. It's now a chance to work with you know, cultural strategists like us to ask yourself how can your space or how can your brand impact how someone is living into their authentic expression or their authentic aspirations as they travel to a new place? Yeah. Because just like the metaverse, right? We're entering into these spaces so that we can create a reality that speaks to what we need to express inside. So this could be another opportunity for places mm-hmm. to do that.
1: Yeah. Debbie, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, During the pandemic, we definitely saw this, like, social media pushback against influencers who, like, heavily rely on content that features luxury and travel. You know, so many Mm -hmm. people couldn't travel to see an influencer traveling. There was Mm -hmm. kind of like this, like, oh, you should kind of play that down. Um, And I'm wondering if we're going to see that continue or if we're going, like, full back to just, like, full maximalism of, like, look at me. I'm on vacation. I have these expensive things and, like, you know, that aspiration. Or is it going to be muted from now
0: on? I think that we're going to see a lot more play on luxury and aspiration on the brand side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that will be their way to pull in, uh, you know, consumers that they've lost during the pandemic and make up for sales there. I think that on the creator side of things or the person who shares on their social media platforms, you know, we're going to have more humility. We're going to have uh, we're going to take more of a humble approach to posting. you know, because ultimately the new aesthetic is being authentic in that, you know, we're cause-driven people and having that moral imperative, uh, which is one of our ELCs by the way. Um, so, yeah, speaking of, let's let's go into Airbnb. Can't have a conversation with about travel without Airbnb. So, as a response to an Airbnb lawsuit settlement with three African-American women, who alleged the site allowed hosts to discriminate against black renters, the platform is trying an experiment in Oregon. In a statement, the company says, quote, this update is consistent with a voluntary settlement agreement we reached in 2019 with individuals in Oregon who raised concerns regarding the way guest names are displayed when they seek to uh, book a listing. Pulling from research from a 2016 Harvard Business School field study, social science research has proven that there's a huge inequity around services uh, service access to people with quote black sounding names and that's npr's description not mine mm-hmm. looking ahead the company pledged to quote continue working with our hosts and guests and with civil rights leaders to make our community more inclusive so Camillo, i um, want to bring you in here how many or how might we see adaptations of this experiment from Airbnb across industries to prevent uh, future discrimination.
4: I think I think in this in this particular case, Airbnb is rightly so pointing out uh, their um, uh, you know their approach to work yeah. with both both hosts and guests. And and in doing so, they're sort of, you know, tackling both ends of the equation. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's it's very important to note that, right, because um, uh, this could quickly lead to design decisions that could be either unnecessarily punitive or can be unnecessarily pointing uh, maybe overcorrecting to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the more they can bring both uh, parties to the equation with the assumption of positive intent, mm-hmm. uh, I think the more productive uh, this is going to end up being.
0: Absolutely. And anyone on the panel or in the audience, um, from a social responsibility standpoint, you know, how, at the top of our heads, how, how can brands? Posting platforms, etc., retailers act as allies for all travelers. You know, or ha- have we seen this being implemented in a positive way?
1: Yeah, I think this is. I think this is a strength of influencers in the influencer sphere, where you can go after and support influencers who have the perspectives that yeah. people can look at authentically and being able to share that opinion that they have that isn't, you know, from the brand perspective. But I think brands can. Um, in a hands-off way support influencers and yeah. for that reason um, building that network can really help showcase what you're doing outside of your product yeah. or yeah. how your products impacting the community.
0: I think it's also just an opportunity for educating um people who have implicit biases and you know and that's the whole point is that people don't know you know they have their psychological or social blind spots that they're not aware of and so when a platform, Airbnb in this case, is a, could be a mediator for connecting people, you know, a host who wouldn't otherwise let that type of person in their home. And so I think that this could be built upon in an impactful way for sure. So, Chris, Yeah,
1: yeah. Our final key travel value uh, is kind of looking at the emerging need for immersiveness, especially when it comes to maybe like digital and augmented applications. And we see a great example of this in the following signal. So Cape Town Tourism has launched this interesting travel initiative, um, and it's called the Find Your Freedom Immersive Travel Experience. And the interactive interface uses game-style graphics to empower global travelers to choose their mother city adventure. Uh, based on the guide that they identify with. So there's the Fearless Foodie, there's the Nature Mm -hmm. Warrior, and then there's the Urban Adventurer. And so, for example, the Fearless Foodie uh, will visit virtually La Colombe, watch an auntie fold samosas uh, in the bow cap, and then dive into steampunk scenes at Truth Coffee. So Cape Town Tourism, I think this is the interesting brand implication, they've partnered with uh, Expedia, and so when when you do this um, kind of virtual experience, Expedia will jump in and say, okay, well this is how you can book it, and this is where you mm-hmm. should stay, and it's kind of integrated in this way. That's quite interesting. So so Matt, I want to throw this over to yeah. you. When it comes to this digital augmentation of travel, do you see it as a gimmick or is it here to stay? And then even further than that, like as VR gets like more robust, do you think that we'll get to a point where like going to Paris mm-hmm. in VR is as good or comparable to like yeah. Um, going to Paris in real life?
3: Whew, so I wouldn't say it's a gimmick. I think this is a really great first step for communities to be able to actualize what it's like to be in that space. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people have anxiety about traveling, so yeah. if I don't know a certain space, but I, ha- I know what I like, it's really helpful to go to a website and see, okay, I kind of fall into this demographic, so how would I actually adventure in that space? Mm-hmm. I think this is a really great step for any, uh, tr- you know, travel, tourism, space to actually help their consumers dive into their space. Um, VR, as good as actual travel? Absolutely not. <laughs> I know.
0: Um,
3: particularly because until... Traveling is a somatic experience. It's about how we actually engage our bodies in different spaces. And until... We have VR experiences where we're in full suits and we can feel the water on us like we're in New Zealand. Uh, That's its own question, right? Like, do you actually want to participate in life? You know, because life comes with risks and that's what travel is as well. So I don't think, you know, we're we're gonna get to that route where we're living in body suits to travel, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is really important to think about how we can incorporate VR experiences Mm -hmm. to help the transition into actual spaces Become a lot more easier.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I saw this um, activation where they were bringing VR into seniors' homes mm-hmm. and they were like plugging the the old folks in and letting them walk around their old neighborhoods through um, Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this case, it's like, well, those people can't go there or they can't, you know, like their mobility right. um, isn't as functioning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, okay, interesting. Maybe, maybe we'll get there. But to mm-hmm. your point, like, I want to smell the baguettes. I don't want to be yeah. smelling my cat's cat food while well, I'm but in.
4: But do you there. know if I, if if I can jump in, because I, I think I think uh, um, if you've tried Google Earth on VR, you know, you know that it can be, some, some locations can be eerily like, you know, real, right? And yeah. they can get, create that feeling of presence, which is like pretty pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Matt, I mean, it's not a substitute, but it could be a compliment, right? And mm-hmm. if we could make a, a connection with a previous signal around um, uh, Instagram, and Instagrammable locations, right? Uh, the the there, there's plenty of research that shows that happiness is in the anticipation of the mm-hmm. experience, not yeah. necessarily in the experience itself, right? And I think that travel companies uh, know that very well, right? And the question is how can we stretch that anticipation through channels that are widely available like like Instagram, right? And really understand new uh, consumer behaviors in that process of planning and anticipation, stretch it as much as possible, and perhaps even give it some meaning, right? Mm-hmm. If you, if you, just going back to the first signal around, you know, volunteering and being part of the community, perhaps there's something around, you know, a hybrid experience where where, where you can be, find some meaning in, in the anticipation and then go visit the place.
0: Yeah. I think, in, I just, oh yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I used one of the Oculus,
2: a friend of mine, and and. I did a, um, uh, I was watching a documentary on climbing Everest. And in doing so, I mean, I totally get, like you want to spell Vegas, I, I mean, I do too. But I think that like just watching it, first of all, it was so calming in a way, yeah. because I'm just, I felt like I was in a different world and to yeah. be able to like feel like I'm turning around and seeing mm-hmm. all these different things that, it just was, it was calming. I mean, I guess depending on the content that you're watching, it might not be, but that was. And the idea that then, that i'm like wow i want to go there Mm -hmm. and do that in a way that maybe i wouldn't have have Mm. considered by just seeing an ad or just seeing a video Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that it felt like i was actually already there and whether i actually go or not the idea (laughs) of just having done that for you know 20 minutes or whatever was almost enough in a way so
0: i think it's also a great opportunity for gamified empathy right like Mm -hmm. making the only thing I think with certain successful and, and up and coming like AR and VR experiences around travel experiences, I some of them are uncomfortable. And, you know, and there's one in, in particular uh, that, you know, it's called In Her Shoes. And it essentially allows someone who doesn't identify or present as a woman to walk uh, a busy streets of like an, uh, you know, an under uh, Represented country, or, or you know, it's a, a place that would make a woman feel uncomfortable. And it in the VR experience, they can get catcalled, or they get catcalled, and get all these. You know, it's very provocative. It's very controversial. But I just wonder if anyone would opt in to that. Mm. Um, I feel like that would be a good tie on on creating empathy. But it would have to be something that's put in place by a policy at a at a workplace or something. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: but yeah, going back to our initial question here, um, closing out the convo, I do have a few questions to our expert cast, uh, Hannah. What what
2: trends do you see at play here that we can expect to see emerging in the future of travel? Mm. So, based on our conversation, I'd say connection first travel in two regards. One being travel that extends beyond physically being there but then another one connection being with this humanizing quality that we want this emotional travel experience and there are other ways to do so than how we how we normally think about it
4: yeah
2: i'm um, camilla i'm interested uh, what can travel
0: brands take away from this conversation
4: I think, look, I mean, from my perspective, uh, just, uh, you know, going back to to the, the first question Guerrero asked asked me, and, and I think it was very uh, um, um, uh, intentionally framed, right, mm-hmm. which is the fact that travel has always been about transcendence, right, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, that promise of becoming a better person at the other end of the journey, right, and I think that, we're seeing, we're seeing ways in which in which uh, uh, new values are connecting with that idea yeah. of transcendence. one is uh, uh, volunteering and we have a, a big discussion about that. I think that any travel brand that wants to tap into the what well, it's a huge market I think I read the UN says it's about 109 million. Uh, uh people uh would strong instead of that you know the volunteering market right mm-hmm. uh finding an ethical format right with that might become sort of more of a hybrid you know virtual in person right and i think another another uh, question that i think we 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 perhaps uh, uh you know we we run out of time but we could probably come back to in another briefing is a question of Uh, Mental health um, and self-care, right? And I think that that's another area where transcendence or the promise of transcendence that comes with travel intersects with with emerging values, right? And you look at we looked at some data a a while back uh, from Airbnb in terms of like uh, uh, most popular experiences and like hot springs, spas, Mm -hmm. uh, sound healing, yoga, forest bathing. (laughs) like you know mixed with travel like that that's a pretty rich territories for brand to explore as well
0: yeah matt my final question as a traveler yourself what would you like to see being implemented if you haven't seen it already if there's work to be done
3: yeah uh i think i'll just go back to what you and kristen were alluding to is accessibility in travel uh not everyone can afford to go to certain spaces but we do have the technology that's needed to help people get closer to that experience. And as well with what Camilla brought up too, right? A lot of that happiness is found in the anticipation. So how do we bring more people to the table to experience a travel mindset?
0: Absolutely. Well, that's Mm -hmm. gonna wrap us up for today. Um, You can join us on LinkedIn, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays at noon Eastern time. Feel free to drop uh, your thoughts in in the comment section around this question. Um, anything that you see happening or emerging in travel as far as uh, the changing core values. Um, Until then, consider yourselves briefed.